Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, April the 29th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, I'm talking about mistakes I have made. Now, this could easily be a 10-hour podcast, but for the sake of time, uh, I'm not going to go over all the mistakes I've made uh, this month alone, but more importantly, the biggest ones I've made in terms of health, fitness, business, and finances, and probably time. Uh, I'll kind of round it out here. I'm going to be playing off of a note that Pat Rigsby had shot out a long, long time ago, talking business mistakes, which I thought was actually very valuable. And I figured, well, why don't I turn it into all the mistakes I've made in life in multiple arenas because there are many. So this would be an easy podcast to kind of just rip uh, off the top and share with all you guys. And the main point is to share this, hopefully, so you don't make some of the same mistakes that I've made in terms of how you eat, how you train, how you sleep, how you live your life, how you invest your time, effort, energy, and money on top of that. Before I kick in, uh, some quick housekeeping notes. One, we are in the steps of releasing our fitness, uh, health, and nutrition app for you guys. Right now, the uh, kind of pre-sale page is up where you can just put your email in and it'll notify you when the thing goes live. I'm guessing about two weeks from now, so somewhere early to mid-May, this bad boy will be up and running. The site is jeremyscottfitness.app, so jeremyscottfitness.app. I'm probably going to throw it in my Instagram bio here shortly and in my stories. It'll come out via email as well, but if you guys want to put your email in, it'll let you know. We'll do some exclusive uh, offers for you early bird folks, and inside the app, what am I going to have? Obviously, fitness is what we're doing. Uh, We'll give you guys full-on programs, some that you can do at home, some that can be done obviously at the gym uh, weekly, what I do myself here personally, and I'll share a lot of the group stuff as well. Uh, We'll have nutrition stuff in there. We're going to break down uh, body part specifics, so upper body, lower body splits. We'll go mindset, uh, and obviously a ton uh, of the Metcons that you guys have come to to love and to hate. So that will all be uh, in the app as well. The technology behind it is uh, second to none in all reality. It's uh, like a really fancy version of Instagram where everything is programmable. You can ask questions, but way more nuanced and way more detailed. And you'll get a sneak peek at obviously what I do day in and day out, which I think a lot of people tend to be interested in since all the, the intake stuff we've gathered, that's what people requested. And then a lot of the tried and true programs that I've done over the years and I still do personally and a lot of what we take are athletes through. So if you guys want to check it out, throw in your email, you'll get all the updates and uh, kind of the exclusive kickoff offer to get in on the app. So app is where you can check all of that out. And you already know before we jump into the podcast, we were brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens, the one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you want to check it out right now, we'll give you guys a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get hooked up with that. Or if you want to try it 100% for free, hit me up, contact page on the website, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you can message us, drop us your info, 
and we will send you a pack right to your front door 100% for free. No questions asked. Anybody else doing that? No, but we're crazy here and we really want to help you guys out so you can see if you like the greens for yourself before you buy them. Honestly, best tasting greens on the planet, full of antioxidants. You're talking the equivalent to 10 to 12 servings of fruits and veggies. There's a probiotic in there. There's digestive enzymes in there. It's easy to travel with. And honestly, it's uh, made my life more simple in terms of I don't have to take 14 different pills every single day, which I hated doing. And when I traveled, I really never did it. So if you guys do want to check it out, athleticgreens.com slash Scott for the year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs, or hit me up and we'll send a sample pack right to your front door today. Also, we're brought to you by our friends at Beam CBD. I do take the Beam Dream product probably five to six nights per week just to help me sleep. It's not habit forming. I don't wake up feeling groggy. It just helps me get to sleep and more importantly, stay asleep. So I wake up feeling rested and ready to kind of kick ass for the day. If you want samples of the dream product, we have those on hand. We can send you guys as well. If you do trouble, excuse me, if you do have trouble sleeping uh, or anything on the site, beamtlc.com, you can put in the code Jeremy Scott to get you 20% off all products and 35% off all subscriptions. Again, all their stuff is THC free, so you won't get high but it will help you hopefully sleep better. I know a lot of people have shared, you know, kind of their anecdotal uh, stories in terms of how CBD has helped them, whether it be with migraines or joint pain, uh, inflammation, things like that. So for me personally, I use it for the sleep benefits, but if you guys want to check it out, hit me up and we'll send you some for free. All the other podcast sponsors I'm going to put in the show notes, the Dry Farms Wine people, Sleep Sold Separately, where I get all my clothing, JLab Pro, and then our friends over at Kettle and Fire who make the dopest bone broth on the planet. So everything's in the show notes. If you want to check out any of the sponsors and any of the products that we use, and again, if you guys want to check out the app, hit me up, but I'm going to put that in the notes as well. So since I am running short on time today, and I'm exhausted from life in general, I'm going to get right to the nuts and bolts of this Mistakes podcast. When you're looking on the internet, and people are sharing their lives. They usually just share the highlights. We're all familiar with this. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, TikTok nowadays. It becomes a, a scrapbook of memories, but typically only the highlight reels. And sadly, that's not reality. It's just this curated avatar and image and story that people want to paint and portray. Now, there is some real folks on the internet, but for better or for worse... It's not, uh, it's not reality. And obviously, we've all made a ton of mistakes. Some today, some yesterday, some last week, last month, and obviously, probably hundreds, if not thousands, over the course of your life. And I'm sharing this for the simple fact of if it can help you avoid some of the same mistakes, I think that would be awesome. It's, uh, it's fun to see how the mistakes have kind of played out over the years and in, in what I've learned from them. And hopefully you've learned from a lot of the ones that you've made as well. And honestly, it shows you that you can screw up a lot and do a lot of dumb shit and still live and, and build and, and have a pretty amazing, awesome life. So I'm going to rip through 15 mistakes that I've made in my life. Only 15. We could probably do 1,500 but hopefully these 15 in no particular order can kind of help you navigate 
any shit that maybe comes your way. Or when it does happen, understand the phrase that everything is temporary and very few things in life are going to really hold you down where you can't come back from them. Most mistakes that happen, most fumbles, most fuck-ups that happen, you're going to come back from them. It might not be pleasant, it might not be easy, but they're not going to be the end-all, be-all. So, without further delay, number one, saying yes to too many things. There are tons of good opportunities in life that are going to come your way, but they're not all the right opportunities. And I think that's an important one for a lot of people. I've never been a people pleaser. I've never been a yes person. I, uh, I draw lines in the sand in my personal life and professional life all the time now. But I didn't always do that. Uh, Heather will tell you there's, uh, there's days where she'll say, hey, where you wear this? Or can we go here? Can you do that? And I'm, I'm willing to die on certain hills because I don't want to do certain things. So I'm definitely always keeping my own self-interest in mind when I make decisions now. But when I was younger, it wasn't always the case, especially with, with business things. Uh, I think when you're young and you're hungry and you're motivated, you think every opportunity is for you and you can kind of handle everything and you can take everything on. And that's just not the case. It comes down to a knowing your bandwidth, knowing what your goals are, what's the North star that you're kind of working towards, but also having self-awareness to know like this opportunity might not be for me and it might not be for me right now. And that's the thing as well. Because there's a lot of good opportunities that are probably going to come your way. And you might not be ready for them when they do show up. And that's okay. It's okay to pass. It's okay to say no. Because sometimes saying yes to something that's not right for you or you're not ready for can actually fuck up a lot of things that are potentially going to come your way in the future. And the only example I can really give real quick is if, let's say, a men's health, for example, would have called me or messaged me when I was 27 years old but I didn't have the on-camera experience yet. I didn't have the coaching experience yet. I didn't have the education and uh, the, the hard skills that I needed. If I would have said yes to an opportunity and I show up and I'm on set and you know there's eight cameras going and they want me to put together this amazing program and be very articulate on camera and funny and entertaining but also technically proficient, I would have shit the bet. Uh, they would have recorded some straight garbage. They would have made no money on it. I would have put it out and uh, the court of public opinion would have roasted me and that would have been that. And that would have been the end of my, you know, career or stint with them, if you will. And there's a lot of companies I could insert there that I've worked with over the years where if they would have, you know, hit me up or messaged me three, four, five years earlier, I probably would have said yes and I would have been terrible and then all the other opportunities wouldn't have came my way. So even if the opportunity is right, it might not be right for you at the right time. Hopefully that makes sense what I'm saying. Sometimes opportunities just aren't correct and they're not what you should be doing at all. And you got to be okay with saying no. Number two, probably not valuing nutrition enough early on. And what I mean is spending so much time working on programming and movements and movement patterns and not understanding what I had to do for myself in terms of food and what worked for me versus what worked for somebody else. 
just because something works for your buddy or your friend doesn't mean it works for you, especially when it comes to the food you're eating, what agrees with your body, how you feel, how much energy do you have, how are you looking as a byproduct of it, all those things come into play. So if I could have go if I could have went back and did anything different, it'd be just understanding the importance of the food that you eat and how closely connected that is to how you feel and how you think and how you recover. And I think a lot of people gloss over this and they're not auditing how they feel when they put food in their bodies and understanding, hey, I could probably have more energy. I could probably recover faster. I could probably feel better if I just tweaked some of the things I'm doing in terms of nutrition and just be really mindful of what works for me and not trying to copy what this athlete does or what this bodybuilder does or what your friend does because that's not applicable to you. Some of the principles might work if it's eating real food and you're tracking macros and those things, but maybe you do great with dairy. Maybe you don't. Maybe you can eat as much, you know, wheat as possible. Maybe you can't. Maybe you can eat four meals a day, but maybe you should eat six. Maybe you should eat two. You have to understand what works best for you in following a plan or some kind of carbon copy that someone else is doing and thinking it's going to work exactly the same for you is a huge mistake that I made early on. Oh, these bodybuilders are doing this and this is how I want to look. Not understanding that genetics, age, drugs are all playing a factor and, you know, it's not apples to apples. And that's something early on that I didn't do great. And I was eating a certain way you know, way too much food, way too often, trying to look a certain way and ignoring the fact that it was making me feel like shit, my body wasn't running at its optimal level. And to this day, I think a lot of people are making huge nutrition mistakes because they're not giving it the time, effort and energy it deserves. And if they slowed down and did that, their workouts would be better and how they look and move and feel would also be better. Number three, overvaluing things that I was not passionate about in probably my personal life and honestly in my business too. You know, you're kind of uh, overpaying to, uh, to fill the void. For me, things like uh, data entry in my business, uh, accounting, uh, project management, those things. Um, I'm not passionate about doing a lot of those things. And I think early on, I would spend a lot of time doing that in my home. You know, it's mowing the lawn all the time. It's always cleaning uh, on the weekends. It's, you know, trying to take care of my pool by myself. And obviously, I'm in a different financial position now than I was early on. But I do think spending time on those things that I'm not passionate about, and I'm not good at, costs me a lot of money. You know, if I look at it now, probably hundreds of thousands, if not even, you know, with compound interest and things, probably even like millions. And if you're spending a lot of time on things that you're not good at and you're not passionate about, and you could outsource them to other people for less money than it would cost you to actually do them, I think that's a huge mistake you're making. And I don't know where you're at financially. I'm not telling you guys what to do, but like our pool guy is like a hundred bucks a month. The guy shows up every week four or five times a month he shows up make sure everything is on point and if something's wrong they fix it it's pretty simple now it doesn't take me very long to make a hundred dollars and 
I'm assuming the pool guy is going to be way more efficient and do a way better job than I am. And that's been the case for years. So I'm not going to spend time overvaluing that task that I'm not passionate about. It's the same thing with my landscaping. Yeah, I can mow the lawn. It's fine. But in terms of like trimming all the trees and fixing the irrigation system, that's going to take me forever. And that's going to be a nightmare. And I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be annoyed, irritated. I'm going to waste all my free time, which little I have, fixing an irrigation system so the grass looks cute for my wife. Like, that's not what I want to do. So the older I've gotten, I've realized I'm willing to pay for time. I'm willing to pay for convenience of those things. And early on, I wasn't willing to do that. Having somebody create a graphic for me that costs 50 to 100 bucks instead of wasting three hours creating the graphics doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you make more than 50 bucks an hour. So that's something I used to do that I no longer do. I understanding it wasn't serving me. And it's hard for people to do that. But if you're going to spend money on things, if it can buy you time and it can buy you convenience, that's money I'd spend all day. Number four, not investing from our retirement early enough. Um, not that I didn't invest money, I guess it's the wrong way to phrase it, but I probably could have put more in earlier and just having a better education around that. Now, I only had one quote unquote real job and uh, I probably started I worked like a real job for, this is crazy, maybe like two years. And I think I probably just did like the three, the 3%. Before that, I really didn't have any money. But if I knew what I knew now, I would have set up just basic shit. Like being, graduating college, you're like 22 years old. If I could have just saved 50 bucks a month, every month from age 22 to like 24, I think that would, it would have helped a ton. And it just, it, not even the money-wise, because it's not a lot of money, but that compound interest for a couple extra years, but also just creating the habit early on. That's something I'd go back and probably do a little bit different. Obviously, if I knew the future, I'd buy a bunch of Amazon and Apple stock and a bunch of other shit um, way back in the day. But obviously, you know, we can't, you know, predict the future and what's going to happen. But just putting in more early for a lot of people can change the game. And not that I have to play catch up, but by the time I, you know, start doing this business, we, we set up, uh, what did I do right away? I did, uh, the Roth IRAs as long as I could until financially I, uh, couldn't qualify anymore. Then we started a, a self-employment pension fund here and did a couple other things outside of that. But the earlier you can start doing that, I think it's the, it's better for everybody. And, and again, I, I can't stress enough how time becomes your friend if you're playing the compound interest game. We've done whole other podcasts on this, but if I could go back, even again, 50 bucks a month, when you didn't think you had it, you could probably either work a side hustle or you could have cut some corners in terms of things you were buying and put the 50 bucks in early on. That's my advice to everyone. So if you're listening to this and you're 25 or you're 35 or you're 45, just start chunking away money now. Um, depending on the interest rates and what the returns are, nothing's guaranteed, but if it doubles every seven years or every 10 years or somewhere in between, you can see how every couple of years ends up being a crazy amount of money, especially when you start getting into the hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars in terms of compound interest. Number five, not listening to my gut soon enough 
when it was time to make a change. And I don't know how to gauge that for anybody listening. If you're doing something every day and you're not happy for an extended period of time, obviously I think it's it's time to make a change. And I just woke up enough days where I just was kind of fed up. But I knew it way before I decided to, to take the leap. And it's it's tough, man. If you're if you're scared, you're nervous, you're you're thinking of leaving a corporate job and giving up a paycheck for something that's not guaranteed. Um, I get it. You have to be kind of like a reluctant uh, entrepreneur. But I maybe waited six months longer than I needed to, maybe even a, a year longer. Because honestly, when I walked out of my only corporate job, I had no clients and no money and really no clue what the hell I was doing. So what did it matter if I did it a year, a year beforehand, right? Um, I just think a lot of times you have this intuition and you have this feeling uh, deep down of what you should be doing and what feels right, but yet you fight it for some weird reason because I guess the, what is the saying? The devil you don't, the devil you do know is better than the devil you don't know, something like that, where I guess kind of this anxiety feeling you have is better than the feeling of like the unknown. And I guess the way I looked at it was when I finally pulled the trigger, I was like, you know what, if I fail and suck at this, I can always go back and and get a normal job and see what happens. But I do think I should have moved probably a little bit sooner. And there's a couple other instances in terms of just business too, where I probably could have pulled the trigger faster. And the same thing with investing money. If I go back and say it's not the early game, maybe I should have took some financial, I don't want to say chances, but invested more earlier on. And I did a finance podcast this morning with a guy from, uh, it's called the Return to Wealth podcast. where We talk a little bit about some of these things. And there's three things you're going to do with your money most of the time. Obviously, you're going to spend it, you're going to save it, and you're going to invest it. Or obviously, if you're going to get out of debt, I guess that comes down to, you know, spending it on that. But saving money and investing money are two different things. And early, early on, before I understand all the things that I understand now about finances, I was probably saving too much and not investing enough. And I maybe waited a little bit too long. And that also probably has cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not uh, even millions. Don't feel bad for me. I'm, I'm doing fine. But it's the willingness to educate yourself and pull the trigger when deep down you feel like, well, do I really need this much emergency cash and liquidity on hand? Or can I just invest it into something that actually going to give me returns of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent instead of, you know, parking it in the bank and having these guys rip me off and give me a one percent or maybe even less. Number six, not focusing on my ideal life a little bit sooner. And Pat Rigsby always phrases this as focusing on the ideal business. And I like to call it my ideal life because for me, it's all kind of one and the same. And I didn't know what I wanted this to look like. And again, I think that goes in in phases when you're, you know, 22, your life looks different than at 32. And at 32, it looks different than it does at 42. And there's this evolution, but having an understanding of what's important to you and not what's important to everybody else. And I think sometimes people get into business and they go, well, I got to make, you know, I'll throw out a number. I got to make $100,000 a year. And I got to be able to have this much vacation. And I got to be able to drive this kind of car and live in this kind of house. And that's cool for a lot of people. And that might be part of your ideal life. 
And those things early on to me, you know, they mattered. Uh, I remember sitting in a, a lobby of our old place saying, I need to make $100,000 per year. And then I got to the point where I'm like, I need to make $10,000 per month. And that kept moving and it kept moving and kept moving. And as you kind of hit these benchmarks, it was just a never ending scale that kept kind of escalating. And then one day I woke up and I'm like, you know what? This money has nothing to do with my ideal life. In terms of finances, sure, it can help with business goals, but this is not what my ideal life looks like. The trajectory I'm on and what I'm doing does not seem sustainable. And so as I've gotten older, I started to focus on what is my ideal life and my ideal business look like? And what comes with that is, you know, when can I work out? How much can I work out? How, you know, how active do I want to be? What types of food can I eat? How much time can I spend at home? How much time do I have to spend on the road? How much time is spent with clients in person? How much is time is spent on the internet? What is the podcast going to take from me? What's it going to give to me? How much time is it going to take away from my wife and my friends and my family? And then I start to create an ecosystem and an atmosphere that I live in. And that's me creating my ideal life. I wish I just would have had the, the foresight to do that a little bit sooner and understand that my business doesn't have to look like my friend's business. And I think we do that with a lot of things. We do it with relationships. We do that with careers. People do that with the way that they exercise and even the way that they eat, which we've talked about obviously doesn't work because we're all individuals. But thinking because your friend runs a business this way, you have to run it that way. Well, that might not be your ideal business and it might not fit into your ideal life. And so you have to know who you are what motivates you, what drives you, and how much you know free time you want to have, how much work time you want to have, where does that line kind of come together, and only you can answer that. And so for me, I probably could have done it a couple years before I actually did it because I was just kind of following a blueprint of what I thought you had to do to be successful. And in a lot of ways, it helped me. In a lot of ways, it just delayed me finding out what I really wanted to do in terms of my life because I think we think we have to you know have the house and have the car and make the certain income and that's not really what's most important to me and it's not really what drove me and we can sometimes you know get caught up in the shit and it's hard to see the forest from the trees especially when you're in it and if you can step back from that and say you know what this is important to me but this is not important to me and really just create your own ideal existence. And I, and I hope everybody finds that at some point. Number seven, thinking too small. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, I'll phrase, you know, every goal we ever set, we hit here. Like that just means I'm thinking too small because I'm a dipshit. Um, I say that half jokingly for the fact of there's a lot of metrics we set here and we obviously hit them, but you don't know until you're in it. And I guess I could have set some bigger goals sooner. But the way that I did it, at least it's worked out so far. I didn't want to set these astronomical goals and, and fall short every time and feel like a complete loser. And when you set goals that are too small, then you always seem like you're winning. So I guess the takeaway is I thought too small on certain things. Maybe that's my upbringing and where I come from. And I shared this today on this uh, Return to Wealth podcast. I said, you know, there was a time in my life when I thought I could never even save $40,000 because I'd never, I'd never seen it done before. Uh, I don't know if my old man or my mom had ever saved 40,000 
dollars, like actualized cash to buy something. And what I'm thinking is, well, okay, if I want to buy a house someday and where I come from, like you could buy a house for 200 grand or less for sure. Uh, definitely not in Scottsdale. That ship has sailed about 30 years ago, if not more. But I thought, okay, if I save 40 grand, I could buy a house for 200K and I could pay on 160. I could probably afford that payment. But I was in my head deep down. I'm like, how could I ever save that much money at one time? That seems crazy. By the time I pay taxes and I, you know, have to pay for car insurance and gas and food. I'm like, it just seems like it would take me 10 lifetimes to do that. And obviously fast forward, my life is substantially different now, but I think that's a prime example of, uh, of thinking too small. And, uh, a lot of kids nowadays, I don't think have the same problem. I think maybe even the opposite, but for me, that's, you know, I probably didn't realize the full potential that maybe I had, or this business had, or this life had for me. But again, this is well before, um, everybody has a podcast as well before Instagram. And, you know, I understand email marketing and, and, you know, scale and leveraging and delivering things to people across the world. But that was a mistake I made. Number eight, wearing being tired as a badge of honor, which admittedly right now I am tired as all hell. Went to an event last night with Heather for her work, super fun. But man, I feel like a bag of shit at the moment. But back in the day, we used to wear being tired as like a trophy. Like who could sleep the least and work the hardest? And that's just stupid. If you're doing that, stop. It's dumb. You need to really value your recovery and understand relaxation escapism is a tool and you can use those tools to be better and come back better and reset and be refreshed. But trying to work 24 seven, 365, eventually you're going to crash. And usually that crash is a much bigger setback than if you just would have took an hour to do something for yourself or make sure you're getting, you know, six to eight quality hours of restorative sleep because staying up and working 20 hours in a row, sleeping for three hours is not just going to rob you of the next day, but probably multiple days. And the quality of the work you're going to do is going to be substantially less over time. Number nine, allowing myself to get pulled away from playing to my strengths from time to time. And uh, I'm way better now. But back in the day before I had resources, and I thought I could kind of do everything, I'm spending time loading videos to YouTube, and I'm trying to you know, take care of Infusionsoft and I'm learning how to create lead pages and I'm doing all our website stuff. And yeah, I can do those things, but they're definitely not my strengths. I'm not great at them. And having other people in place who are way better than me is a game changer. And hiring people and surrounding yourself with people who are complementary to your skills, I think is the key. And what it's allowed me to do is be more creative more helpful and kind of double down on my craft and get good at the things that I know I'm already pretty good at and just try to really sharpen those as opposed to stretch myself way too thin and do everything kind of half-ass. So that's something early on that I did and just it, it took away from me learning all the things I needed to learn to be able to help the people we actually serve because I'm not a web developer. Um, I'm not an Infusionsoft expert. I'm not a, a master at, you know, creating funnels and drip campaigns and dealing with all this technical shit. Um, again, same thing with our, our fitness app. I'm not an app developer. 
I don't know how to do that stuff. I don't know how to create it. I don't know how to fix it. I can barely get the things to, to, to work, honestly, on the user end, but that's why we have those people in place. And I've learned that now. That's why when we deliver it, it's going to be my fitness content and the way that it needs to come to you guys to help you. It'll rip your face off. It'll be fun. It's interactive, but I'm not pulling myself away to work on the actual technical application of it. I'm just playing to my strengths of actually creating fun, safe, effective health and fitness information, content, education to allow you guys to be better. But early on, I didn't always double down on my strengths and uh, paid the price for it. Number 10, occasionally letting the competitive side get the best of me. As I've gotten older, I've realized I only compete with myself and this is a game that I'm playing and nobody else is playing it with me. It's just me versus me. But early on, you do kind of the, the comparison stuff and you see, you know, your friend is doing this or your buddy's doing that or that guy's doing that and you want to you want to beat him. You want to be the best. I'm better than that coach. I'm better than that business. I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that girl. Again, it's the comparison shit. It's a losing situation. And we're not all playing the same game. We all don't have the same goals. We all don't have the same ideals. And that's something you have to learn as you get older. And a lot of young coaches, especially in fitness and health, they see somebody else, you know, doing better or doing good or making money or having more clients or more followers or whatever the bullshit fucking metric is that you're gauging success in and you get competitive or I'm going to beat them. It's like, dude, they don't even know you're playing against them. And hopefully if they're doing it the right way, they don't even care. And you shouldn't either. But there's this competitiveness in there that uh, early on sometimes would get the best of me. And I learned real quick that it doesn't matter, dude. There's enough opportunity for all of us to be successful and for all of us to win. And none of us are competing with each other. We really aren't. And once you understand that and you want success for everybody and you understand that your success does not have to take away from them and that their success does not have to take away from you, you're in a really good place as a human and you're going to be super successful. I promise you that. Number 11. Working with too many people who aren't a good fit. It's tough, man. Um, Another way I'd phrase this is being friends with too many people who aren't a good fit. Surrounding yourself with people who aren't a good fit. In business, it's tough at first. You're going to kind of take every client that you can just because you got to make money. And the older I've gotten, I don't work with everybody. I don't work with divas. I don't work with high-maintenance people. I don't work with people I don't like. I don't work with people I wouldn't hang out with and have a beer with. I just don't because then it seems like work. And who the fuck wants to go to work every day? That would suck, dude. Um, in all seriousness, it's the same thing with my circle of friends. I don't hang out with people who aren't a good fit, man. And that doesn't mean we all got to think the same and be the same. I don't care if you vote right or you vote left and you believe in this theory versus that theory. If you think the earth is flat or the earth is round, like it doesn't matter to me. Like, we don't have to have the same beliefs. We can be friends, but you got to be a good person. You got to have some qualities that we can kind of trade off of one another, some shared common interests, but everything doesn't have to always be ideal. It's not an echo chamber, but you can't be an asshole. You can't be somebody who doesn't enjoy some of the same things. And I don't want to work with people who are terrible fit, and I don't want to be friends with people who 
don't align with the way that I kind of want to live my life and the things that I want to do and the person I want to be. And early on, I just had the friends I had. And sometimes they were, you know, friends from way back in the day. Sometimes they were just acquaintances. Sometimes you get introduced to them and you're in this circle of friends now. And the older you get and the more real you get, typically the smaller your circle becomes. And the same thing with my business life. I just tend to gravitate towards people who are good humans. And I think when you look at the clients we have here on the internet and obviously in person, we have a pretty badass, awesome community of people who we might not all have the same political beliefs or the same financial beliefs or the same, you know, know, favorite sports teams or, you know, whatever it may be. But we all have the same common goal. We want to move, look and feel our best. We want everybody here to be successful and we want to be just cool people. We don't want to be fuck faces. We don't want to be assholes. We don't want to impede other people's happiness or success. And that's the type of people I tend to work with, both in my business and in my private life. Number 12. This one's a business one, but you can also apply it kind of like number 11. I took too long to figure out who my perfect clients were. And in a lot of ways, I think I took too long to figure out who my perfect kind of friends were. And you have all kinds of friends. You have all kinds of clients, but you know the ones that you probably shouldn't be friends with and you know the ones you don't want to work with. And in terms of business, what I I share is when I first started this, I thought it'd be playing, you know, Metallica or Tupac every day, which we still do play those bands here, uh, artists, if you will, but uh, not all day, every day. And I thought this would be a, you know, a gym where people came in wearing work boots and cut off jean shorts and were just jacking fucking steel and Disturbed was playing, you know, in between Metallica and Tupac. And that's not at all the kind of business we run here. And honestly, it's not the kind of business I'd want to run. That's not the person I want to serve. I want to help the people who actually need help. And at first, you don't know that until you actually get in it and work with people and you realize like, wow, I don't want to work with professional athletes. That's not my thing. I don't want to work with just the meatheads. That's not my thing. I kind of like the average Joe. I like the couch to athlete, the person who is here for the right reasons. Yeah, they might be vanity driven and there's nothing wrong with that. We all want to look good, but they're here because they want to be healthy. They want to feel better. They want to learn and they want to live a long, productive healthy life, being able to do all the things that they've always done. It took me a long time to uh, figure that out. Probably, you know, a couple years longer than it should have. And the same thing with friends, man. You're going to realize you got friends who are there to lift you up and fan your flame, but you also have these friends that are energy sucks, man. They're vampires. They're trying to piss on your fire and they're trying to drag you down and they're, they're not really happy for your success. They're kind of full of shit, you know, like where they kind of pretend like they're happy for you and they're happy when you're doing good until you do better than them and then they're not happy for you. And they kind of want to see you fail and they don't really take joy in your joy. And sometimes it's hard to see those people uh, when you're busy and you're going through life. And as you get older and you kind of separate things, you can see who they are. And even for me, it, it took a little too long sometimes to eradicate some of those folks in my life. So if you got those guys... Whether you work with them or they're friends, get rid of them. That's my two cents. Number 13, the times that I've not been a part of like a mastermind group or a coaching group or, 
connected with my peers who are on the same kind of level, that's a mistake, not being part of those groups. I've always done better when I'm around top level peers, when I communicate with my top level friends, when we share best practices, when I ask questions of them, when I've been part of mastermind groups, when I really just connect with people who are gamers, people who are masters at their craft. That's a huge part of my success. It's a huge part of my happiness. It's how I've learned a lot of the things I've learned. And when I am not part of those groups and when I don't reach out enough, I tend not to do as well. And that's a mistake I made early on. Now it's all I ever do. Uh, I got some of the smartest humans in fitness in my phone and I can reach out to them anytime. And I often do. I uh, just had a call today with uh, Dave Schmitz, the band man. Like he's the, in terms of like resistance band training, he is the smartest fucking dude on the planet. And uh, him and I just shooting the shit this morning, uh, talking about just a bunch of stuff. And uh, he's like, yeah, if you ever need anything in terms of bands or, or whatever it may be, just reach out, ask if I can help you, please do it. And I'm like, that's an amazing resource and tool. And that's something I'm going to utilize, just like I do with the BJ Gadours of the world and the David Jacks and the Hannah Edens and the Alexias. And I can go down the list, the Ben Novaks, you name them. But when you don't do that, I think you're holding yourself back. And early on in life, I didn't do it as often as I do now. And so if you got some really high-level people in your circle and you can provide them value and they can provide you value, make sure you reach out to them more often than not. Number 14. Uh, I've talked about this before, uh, and I'll mention it real quick. Just spreading yourself too thin. It's the same. It's almost the same thing as saying yes to too many things. And uh, I used to try to do everything. And honestly, I do a lot of stuff now, but there's a lot of stuff that's come off my plate that's probably never coming back on. And if it had to, I'd probably just close that segment of the business down. I just can't. I push off so much stuff to Monica. Uh, I push off so much stuff to Matt. Uh, we have a graphics person that we push stuff off to. We have obviously people helping us with all the app development and all the things that go into that. And I just, I push and I push and I push. It's no different than it. Again, like I touched about at your house, if you have a cleaning person uh, for our business, we have an AC person, we have a plumbing person, we have electrical, we have all these things where I can't be, you know, a master of none, spreading myself too thin. Again, years ago, I used to, and uh, in hindsight, I was doing way too much, not good enough. And so now I just try to focus on the things that I do great. So if that's you out there and you're trying to do everything for everyone all the time, it's not sustainable and it's not going to work. So I'd urge you to kind of pull things back and uh, don't make the same mistake I did. And number 15, and this is probably the most important one here, going through periods where I didn't spend enough time with the people I cared about the most. And I don't need to break it down in great detail. This can, I can give a million examples here. And uh, some of it, it was justified and some of it I could have done better for sure. It's hard, man. When you're trying to build um, a career, you're trying to build a business, you're trying to build a body, you're trying to build a life. But there was periods where I didn't spend enough time with the people I cared about the most. And it could be even little things, right? Like my dog is, and again, I use my dogs as a basic example. My dog is getting older. My dog's over 12 years old. And I love that dog like, like a fucking person. 
Like, I, I like it more than most humans, and I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but I really do. Like, I care about that dog more than I care about most fucking people, and I'm weird for saying that, but it's just the truth, and I mean it. I've slept, this thing has slept next to me every day as long as my, as long as my wife has, you know, basically. And uh, I see it every day. I talk to it every day like a weirdo, but my dog's getting older. You can tell, like, how she walks, how she moves. It's just not the same. And you come to this reality of like, my dog's not going to be here for 20 more years. And there's like a sadness that comes with it, right? Like anything else. My grandparents, they're all dead. And uh, you know they're going to die, but you don't put it into context when you're in the middle of your busy-ass life. It's the same thing for, you know, Heather and I. We're together every day for the most part, but there's certain times we don't spend together. You know, I've shared this before. I've been here for 14 years. I think I've seen my dad 15 times in 14 years. The one year I saw him twice, I think uh, I had flown home and then he got an airplane and came to my wedding. So, you know, I've seen my dad 15 times or maybe because of the COVID year, it's probably 14. It's fucking crazy. Um, 14 times in 14 years. And I'm making a conscious effort now to spend more time when I go back than I did before because there was periods where even if I was there it was so short and so fast but now I'm older and I know better and I don't know where to draw that line for people and this is not me trying to you know get in some soapbox and tell you what to do because I had to build this life for myself I had to build this business I had to build this community I had to build myself up I had to have the hard skills I had to have the soft skills I had to create this thing so I could live a life like I wanted to because I didn't have any money I didn't have anything to fall back on there is no fucking safety net for me there's no you know Brewster's millions if you guys are old enough to remember the movie I don't have a rich uncle who's gonna leave me millions of dollars like this is it the safety net is me and if, if Heather if Heather wants to consider herself my safety net, that's great. I don't think she's, you know, strong enough to catch my heavy ass if I was to fall. My point is that this is all I ever had. So I felt the way that I did it was the only way I could possibly do it. And as I look back now, there was times where I thought every little thing mattered. And I thought I had to do it exactly that way all the time. And there was no other route. And now... You know, it's easy to say it now because everything, things are built, things are in place, there's revenue streams, there's there's all this other kind of security I didn't have before. But if I'm being completely honest, I think I could have spent more time with friends and family than I did knowing what I know now. But I wasn't sure. And hindsight's obviously always twenty twenty. but now that I'm older and, you know, mortality seems real as I, I lose people around me, you know, friends die, family dies, you know, you get older, softer, wrinklier, you don't bounce back as quick, you realize that you're not Bruce Willis and unbreakable, even if you look like him, that uh, you are going to be dead someday. And uh, I know better now. And so I really, if I'm somewhere, I'm actually somewhere. Uh, if I'm with family, which we have some more family coming into town tomorrow night, I'm actually going to be there. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to be worried about the app. I'm not going to be worried about our next project. I'm not going to be worried about the next client. I'm just going to be there because I don't know how many of those days I'm going to have. And I'm going to try to integrate as, as many more of them into my life as possible and understand like, hey, emails are always going to come. Leads will always come. Phone calls will always come. But these moments probably aren't always going to be there. And so that's 
of all the mistakes I've ever made, that's probably the biggest one. Going through periods where I didn't spend enough time with the people I cared about the most. But, you know, if you know better, you do better. And that's where I'm at today. And I think a lot of people are guilty of that, especially uh, people who are achiever personalities, people that are, are successful, people that uh, have built businesses and built careers and become highly educated and, you know, elevated above the, the status quo and the normal, you know, level in their craft. And there's somebody that has built something a little different. It, there's a price you pay and there's a sacrifice to that. And would I do it differently? I don't know. Who knows? But I'm doing it differently moving forward, and that's all I can do. And so hope that helps you guys if you find yourself in the same boat or the same position that you do it the best way that fits you and suits you. And only you can draw that line and understand what's important to you. And you you don't have to be, you know, serial killers and be crazy and do all the things that some of the, the lunatics in the world do, like myself. But um, I'm lucky enough that I identified it when I did. And so now I can make a mindful choice moving forward every single day. And I understand if you guys listen to some of these, you know, you're probably better than me at a lot of them. And maybe they're mistakes you never made. But if you find yourself guilty of any of these, and you've made some of these mistakes, you can build an ideal life. And it's not going to happen without a, you know, a real clear vision of who you are, and what you want to do, and what you want your life to look like moving forward. But you can't settle. Um, and you can't be happy with just where you're at. You have to really identify some of the things that have went wrong. And you just got to be better moving forward. That's it. And I, I share this not of a, a place of judgment or to tell you what to do or how to do things. But hopefully, some of these mistakes that I have made will help you avoid some of your own moving forward, especially if you're, you know, trying to do something a little bit different, maybe build a business or build a career, or you just find yourself busy with your life and kids and travel. And hey, you know what? I can be more present with my husband or wife, or I could get rid of these friends, or I could stop chasing this bullshit, or I could do whatever it is. And in, in, insert the thing that you know is not serving you. And maybe do it a little bit different moving forward. And, you know, we all get better from failures and mistakes. And sometimes it's nice when other people fuck up and do stupid shit like me. And you guys can learn from them moving ahead. So hopefully you guys appreciate that. Again, if you guys do want to check out the app, um, put your email in. We'll give you all the updates before it launches. And we'll give you guys a pretty smoking deal. It's jeremyscottfitness.app. JeremyScottFitness.app, and if you want uh, Athletic Greens or Beam or any other the podcast uh, sponsors, check the show notes out. Everything will be in there. I'll be back with you guys next week here, rocking and rolling. I think Heather's going to pop on as well, and then we got some guests rolling in towards the middle and the end of the month. So, have an awesome rest of your Friday, you guys. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.